Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. One last time, we say hello and welcome you to Around the Dial, your home for your best sports talk. We have made it through a week without the vacationing DA. One last time, I'm Andrew Bogish, in for him. So here we go on Friday, April 26th. We'll spend most of our time together hashing out round one of the NFL draft from last night in Nashville. The lead story, for the most part, at least it seems, sitting here in New York, was the Giants' peculiar pick of Duke QB Daniel Jones at number six. It was a head-scratcher, no doubt about that. Picking Jones is one thing. The issue, though, is picking him... At number six, as you might imagine, this is dominating conversations in New York today. It's where Boomer and Geo began their Friday show on WFAM. Good morning, Boomer. How are you? What the F, man? That's <laughs> what I think. What are they thinking about? I mean, I don't want to kill Daniel Jones. I'm sure he's a great kid, and I'm sure that this was a huge night for him, and it probably was somewhat surprising that he won at six. You know, and, and the whole David Cutcliffe and the Manning thing and all that other That's stuff. And the, Ernie, and the Ernie Acorsi stuff and all that. You know, Daniel Jones would have been great at 17. He probably would have been even better at 30 when the Giants tra- uh, traded back up into the draft uh, to select the defensive back, uh, the first defensive back off the uh, the draft board, by the way, at 30th. I, I don't believe that anybody had any real major interest in him. Everybody that I talked to last night was completely floored, was completely shocked. And uh, to Dave Gretelman, uh, all I could say is you better be right, man. You better be right because this is a legacy pick. There are three guys that went right after uh, uh, Daniel Jones at 7, 8, 9. And all three of those guys could have been starters for your football team this coming season. Now, he has been talking about culture, 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 mm-hmm. the locker room, this, that. You know, that's why they love Eli. Eli's a guy that goes there. He's a flatliner, and he's the same guy every day. He's the same guy from the day he walked in there to the day he's going to walk out of there, whenever that may be, and it may be three years from now because, you know, they still believe that he has a lot left to give. Uh, as far as being a quarterback, when you look at Daniel Jones and what he did in college, it wasn't overly impressive. It was okay. It was good. Uh, he is a football lifer, if you will. He loves the game. He's a student of the game. But at number six, you got to be effing kidding me. You got to be effing kidding me. I mean, I at number six, I th- I really thought. I swear to God, all the way up to the end, I'm thinking Dwayne Haskins, Dwayne Haskins, oh, well, Dwayne Haskins. I thought it was gonna be Josh. Allen. And I'm like, come on, go get Dwayne Haskins. Let's go. Let's stop messing around. He fell to you. Let's let's get this out of the way. You would have been a you look. You would have had an excited fan base had you taken D- Dwayne Haskins. I believe. Now, 
if you would have taken Josh Allen, you also would have had an yes, exciting Yes, and that's what base. I think every Giant fan wanted that moment. They never thought that Josh Allen would have been there for them at six. They kept hearing Dave Gettleman talk about defense with that first pick. Boom, there's your edge rusher. That's the guy. And then you deal with the quarterback later in the draft. If it you means you have, have to waited. trade up to get Haskins if that was your guy or trade it up from 17 to get Daniel Jones. But to get Daniel Jones at six when you said it, who else was interested? All you heard about the Redskins, how they loved Haskins, right? They went and they drafted Haskins, so it wasn't them. The Miami Dolphins weren't in the market for a quarterback. Who else? The Denver Broncos weren't. Who else right. wanted Daniel Jones uh, uh, anywhere near the top 17 picks? It's it's bizarre. It's bizarre to say the least. And, you know, and look, Dave Gettleman made the pick. He's going to have to stand by the pick. He's going to have to tell you it's all about culture. Maybe he starts in three years. Maybe now we're doing the Green Bay model. I mean, uh, you got to be kidding me. Three years. I, I don't know, man. It's just, it's absolutely bizarre. And I hope, honestly, I hope the kid makes it someday. I, I just don't think that it was the, the time to pick that kid. And I, I think there are a lot of people out there that will tell you, you know, don't reach for somebody. Pick the best available player or you're going to get fired. Who said that this week? Dave Gettleman. At, but, well, Bruce Arians also <laughs> well, said but that. But Dave Gettleman said he was taking the best player available, that he wasn't going to reach. He said it out of his own mouth. He said that. <laughs> Now, apparently Giants GM David Gettleman thought Washington was trying to jump them to pick three or four to take Daniel Jones. That's why he pulled the trigger at number six. Most people find that hard to believe. Maybe Gettleman got tricked here. I'll say this in his defense. You cannot reach for a quarterback. You cannot take one too early. Even if you think he's the number 50 player in this draft overall, if you think he can be your starter for eight years, you can take him as early as number one. So in general, this is not the worst strategy by Gettleman and the Giants. My problem with this is the individual person. I just don't think Daniel Jones is the guy that will solve this position post-Eli Manning. Let's go to Cleveland now. The Browns didn't have a first-round pick last night because they traded it to those Giants for Odell Beckham Jr. earlier this offseason. So we'll hear about what GM John Dorsey can do now moving forward, plus a quick thought or two on the rest of round one from former Browns tackle Joe Thomas, who was on the Ken Carmen Show on 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. One thing that makes John Dorsey a very savvy and experienced GM is he looks at trends in the league, and the pendulum always swings too far when you're talking about value. And Dorsey, Bill Belichick, those guys are two two GMs that have always done a great job in understanding that typically the herd always travels too far in one direction or the other. And I think right now veteran players are undervalued. GMs overvalue, especially around draft time, they overvalue draft picks. And Dorsey's definitely going to be looking at that arbitrage that's happening and look at potentially getting another player, a veteran player that can help us win right now with some of these draft picks because a lot of times you can get a great value for a known commodity, which a, a veteran player in this league is a known commodity, whereas a draft pick, for best-case scenario, is a 50-50 proposition on if they're going to work out as a starter. Joe Thomas joining us on the hotline. I'm curious what you think of some of the draft picks. Uh, for instance, uh, you saw Bosa went number two. Uh, how do you think it would be lifelike in the NFL trying to block that dude who looks like he has a lot of the similar skills that his brother did? He's a little shorter, but maybe even a little more powerful. Yeah, well, I think with a, l- a little bit of uh, lack of height, maybe a shorter of stature brings a lot more power a lot of times and better leverage. Uh, I think back, not that he's as short as James Harrison, but 
one of the things that made James Harrison great was he was a little bit uh, shorter, squattier, more powerful. He could get up under your pads. And so uh, not that Joey Bosa plays high or anything, but I think Nick Bosa has that added advantage. He plays a lot like Joey. He's got a lot of the same attributes, but he's also a little bit more powerful. He can get up under your pads a little bit more. So um, if I was Arizona, I would have taken uh, Nick Bosa. I, I wouldn't certainly not have taken Kyler Murray with Josh Rosen already on board, not able to trade him. Uh, but then I would have taken the, the pass rusher, Nick Bosa, because uh, he's such a phenomenal talent and such a game changer. And, and you can move him all over your defensive line. It gives you versatility. What did you think of the Daniel Jones pick with the Giants? I thought it was interesting. I, I think David Gettleman is going to have a lot of explaining to do in the next few months with where is this team headed? What is the direction? What is the plan? How many times are we going to change the plan? You know, last year they were loading up <clears throat> with the running back, uh, Saquon Barkley, number two overall, which is a win-now pick. Uh, they had a very aging quarterback. They tried to protect him with the offensive line help. That didn't seem to work. So they've sort of dismantled the team, but they still have Eli. They still have Barclay, and they're not clearly in rebuilding mode, and they're not clearly in win-now mode. It's sort of like, what is the flavor of the day with the Giants? And uh, so they go and reach for uh, the quarterback, and I-, I think it was a reach, and it was also a signal saying, we don't believe in you, Eli, right now. So um, if I'm Pat Shermer out there, I- I'm pretty nervous because the-, the signals that I saw from David Gettleman last night are – that we're not pleased with the direction of the organization and we're probably potentially, unless they win a lot of games, surprisingly next year, going to be making a change uh, at coaching staff because of what happened last year with with Eli and uh, with Pat Shermer. That's Browns left tackle Joe Thomas, a guest on the Ken Carmen Show on 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. In Philadelphia, the Eagles made a move to get further up in round one to make sure they got Washington State tackle Andre Dillard. He was a guest Friday morning with Angelo Cataldi on WIP. Andre, could you start by describing what draft night was like for you? How nervous were you? What it was like when your name got called? Tell us. Oh, uh, it was just a huge whirlwind, you know. Um, waking up that morning actually didn't it didn't feel like the draft was that day. It felt like it was the next day, and so I just, you know, it felt so surreal to be in that moment, you know, knowing that, you know, me and the other guys around me are gonna end up somewhere that day, and um, yeah, I was just in shock, you know. It was just such a good feeling. How old were you when you started to have this dream? Andre, that maybe you could play in the National Football League? Um, honestly, not until, like, midway through college. Uh, I didn't really know that I would have what it took back then. But then the confidence built a lot, and, you know, my skills got a lot better and um, fell more and more in love with the game each day. And so uh, it just worked out really well. And, um, you know, here I am today. It's just blessed to be here. Well, your dad was an offensive lineman at Washington State. Um, I guess, did he try to groom you? Did, did he want you to play football? Did he want you to play offensive line? Yeah, he was actually a tight end at Washington State. But, oh. um, yeah, he kind of showed me the ropes when I first decided I wanted to try and play football like he did. And, you know, he would take me in the backyard and, like, with his uh, blocking dummies and he would show me how to do different techniques and 
how to actually hit stuff and drew some stuff on the whiteboard and you know all all kinds of stuff and you know he loves football so he's obviously very supportive of me playing it and you know keeps him around the game longer so he's he's happy about it. Andre, I, I was reading a piece. Your mom did an interview when you were in eighth grade, and she said that you went out on the football field, and it didn't come to you right away, that it took a little time, but she could see that you had that competitive spirit to overcome your initial uh, issues. Um, what was that like when you were so young? Didn't everybody look at you and go, your dad played college football, you have to be great right away? No, not not too much. They didn't put all, like all the pressure of my dad playing on me. But you know, when I first started, like my first couple of years, you know, I didn't know anything. You know, I didn't know I didn't know if I was on offense or defense half the time, and I just you know I wasn't very good at it. Had no knowledge of it. I was just kind of out there trying to learn it. And you know, I like to finish when I started, so I didn't ever want to give up, even though I wasn't performing. You know, and I was always behind the group, but. Um, there was just always something to appreciate about it, and so I just never wanted to quit. By the way, you did catch up to them. <laughs> kick, kick. Yeah, I think I, think I did. <laughs> First-round draft pick. Uh, Andre, tell us about your strengths. What are your strengths as an offensive tackle? Um, well, first of all, as a, as a player in general, you know, I'm just a very coachable lineman, so, you know, coaches can do whatever they want with me, and I'll be able to adapt to it and, be the kind of player they want me to be and you know I bring extreme athleticism to the table too and just a technically sound player so you know I can bring a lot to the table and there's always stuff to improve on so I'm always going to be doing that. We were uh, looking up where it was going at Washington State um, you guys threw the ball quite a lot didn't you? <laughs> you averaged uh, Yeah a little bit. There was a game a 70 passes in one game 48 per game average and you gave up one sack and 328 snaps. That's amazing. You must be in pretty good condition, too, no? <laughs> That's, yeah, a a <laughs> That's a lot of yeah, passing. That's a lot of passing. It is a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> so I guess that I, I'm just curious, is it an advantage? Do you see it as an advantage to come here and learn from a Hall of Famer like Jason Peters? Yeah, I've actually been watching this tape, you know, for the past couple of years, him and some other great tackles in the league, and I think it's been a huge help, you know, for upping my, my game in a lot of ways, and so it'll be really cool to learn from him and the other guys on that line. That's Browns left tackle Joe Thomas, a guest on the Ken Carmen Show on 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. In Philadelphia, the Eagles made a move to get further up in round one to make sure they got Washington State tackle Andre Dillard. He was a guest Friday morning with Angelo Cataldi on WIP. So much emotion last night from different players realizing their dream of making the NFL. Andre Dillard certainly raring to go in Philadelphia. We heard about him. We heard about some offensive players already in Kyler Murray and in Daniel Jones to the Giants. But the draft, round one was about defense. Teams um, seem to be making an answer, finding the pieces that can help them slow down all of these high-powered, blossoming offenses around the league. 18 defensive players, 18 of 32 picks were for defense last night at Nashville. That ties for the second most. The 18 includes 11 defensive linemen. That's a record. Also a record, three of those defensive linemen being from the same school. Cleveland Farrell to Oakland, 
Christian Wilkins to the Dolphins and Dexter Lawrence to the Giants. All of them are from Clemson. Uh, This game is about mixing and matching, advancing and regressing, uh, improving and then matching that improvement. And right now, offenses are doing so much and there's so many creative head coaches. Now you're looking for guys that can come in, do different things, different skill sets, different body types on defense to try and slow down some of these new attacks. Back on the offensive side of things, the first wide receiver off the board last night didn't come until the mid-20s when the Ravens took Marquise Hollywood-Brown from Oklahoma. They discussed that pick on the Big Bad Morning Show on 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore. All I wanted for Christmas was a playmaker. That's all I wanted for Christmas. Jerry, I don't know the last time the Ravens have drafted one of these guys, a guy like this, the guy that can be this dynamic, this spectacular, this explosive. Last year. <laughs> no, I mean at wide receiver. You're right. At quarterback, yeah. you're right. But at, yeah. at at wide receiver, I don't know the last time. And it's funny you say that because he, he matches that kind of electricity yeah. that Lamar Jackson brings at the mm-hmm. quarterback spot. It seems like to me, you know, the Ravens are trying try to turn the corner a little bit and become – Something that resembles an NFL offense. I just want to see a running back that has this kind of explosiveness, too. You get that, and all of a sudden, you've got a dynamic offense. The 10th player taken out of Oklahoma in Ravens history, only second to Alabama, and now the third Oklahoma guy on this team, joining, of course, uh, Mark Andrews and uh, Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, But he's explosive, like we were saying. He's a guy that does have that nickname Hollywood, but it has nothing to do with his attitude. It's from where he's from, Hollywood, Florida. The teammates have said it's a it's a double entendre because it kind of fits his attitude and his and the fact that he's from there. He seemed very humbled yesterday when he was selected. He was in tears because of the stuff that he had to go through to get to where he is right now. He certainly has paid his dues in life, and you like to see that. He'll be introduced, by the way, today at three PM with Greg Roman by his side and Owings Mills. Kids got swagger. And they I still like it they still have uh, no selections in the second round. They do uh, they do have a bunch of picks in the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth round. Uh, real quickly, let's just hear from Eric DaCosta last night. A lot of people may not have heard this, but it sounded like in listening to DaCosta uh, speaking that he was being honest, indicating that Brown maybe was not worthy of the twenty fifth pick and they didn't want to gamble but felt like they could have got him a little later? We always consider it, you know. Uh, in that particular case, the phone didn't ring. You do get to a point where you start to get nervous. Like, you know, you don't want to be too greedy. And, you know, we had a chance to make a trade and go back and get the guy that we wanted. So from that standpoint, it was great. But the phone never rang at, what was it, 25 or 26? So we ended up just making the pick. So they waited about six minutes. Phone never rang. And there they go. Marquise Brown is a raven. Electric wide receiver out of Oklahoma. Marquise Brown. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
That's the Big Bad Morning Show on the fan in Baltimore. Marquise Brown goes to the Ravens. Uh, there's no secret. Lamar Jackson's their guy, and they need to do for him what they didn't always do for Joe Flacco, and that is surround him with elite talent as well to match his uh, around the rest of that offense. They still need new offensive line support, uh, but certainly putting one of the most dynamic playmakers in this draft on that roster next to Lamar, uh, Lamar Jackson is a very significant get for the Ravens. Uh, Brown certainly played well and worked well with Kyler Murray. Similar but not the same type player Lamar Jackson. So if they're inventive and creative and open-minded, uh, that should be a good pairing for the Ravens inside the AFC North. The Lions were also thinking offense in this draft. They, with number eight, right? Number eight, uh, they took the first tight end, and that was TJ Hawkinson from Iowa. Dave Burkett covers the Lions for the Detroit Free Press. He was on with Jamie and Stoney on 97, won the ticket in Motown. I think you were the first one to put TJ Hawkinson in a mock draft. Uh, maybe it was mock draft 1.0 or 2.0. I forget which one, but you've stuck with him pretty much the entire way, so not a huge surprise for you. No, that probably makes me a hated man in Detroit sports right now. <laughs> right, because, right. Yeah, because Bob I, Quinn I, listens to you. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, look, I mean, you know, he just made a lot of sense. Like Bob said last night, you know, he checks all the boxes for this team, what they want in the position, you know, the type of player they want in the locker room. I mean, you know, the fact that he does so many different things at tight end can help diversify the offense. I understand the angst from some fans. You know, I, I know there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, Ed Oliver, Aaron Donald, TJ Hawkinson, uh, Eric Ebron comparisons or worries, but I mean, look, this, this guy, you know, he, he's a fit for what they want to do, whether he lives up to that potential or not, or makes good on that, you know, only time will tell. I, I, I like the player. I love what he does, especially you know, his blocking ability. I just have a problem with taking him at eight. Yeah. And there's, there's, I, I understand that. So, I mean, he's the fourth tight end to go that high in the last 40 years. You know, it just doesn't happen unless you're a rare, rare tight end. And those other tight ends that have gone that high, they've, they've, it's five Pro Bowls between them. So it's not like it's, it, this is some guaranteed Hall of Famer. And that's why I wrote last night, you know, don't go thinking he's going to be a Gronkowski. I mean, he can be a very good player and he can be nothing like Gronkowski or, or not have the career that Gronkowski had. So I, I get that. Um, you know, I will say this. Look, you know, everybody wanted Ed Oliver. People were wondering about that. And I, I did. I gave Ed Oliver to the Lions in one of my early mock drafts. The, the thing with Ed Oliver is he's, he's a little smaller. And, you know, if you think he's a, a three technique, defensive tackle, you know, that doesn't exactly fit what the Lions do. And, you know, Hawkinson does fit what the Lions want to do. And for better or worse, this is how they're building their, their team. Um, you know, again, he's a fit. Uh, it just it made all the sense in the world from really going back to the start of this pre-draft process. What makes this all maddening, obviously, Dave, is that we don't know. We don't know what goes on inside the wardroom. We don't know what kind of phone calls Bob Quinn took. Do you have any sense of how badly they wanted Josh Allen, who was slipped all the way to number seven, obviously. And do you have any sense of how seriously Quinn tried to trade down as the first round unfolded yesterday? Yeah, I, I know they tried to trade down because I, I got you know texts from from people with other NFL teams that you know were asking me what other teams might be going up to get, and you know if I thought a Lions deal was going to happen. So I, I know there was there was some discussion, there were trade talks that happened. I don't know how far those offers got. If it was a case of you know, the, the offer just not being enough. I mean, look, the Atlanta Falcons, the team that, you know, I heard at least was, was, was really trying to come up. They ended up taking two offensive linemen, and no offensive linemen went before the Lions picked. So from a Falcons standpoint, why are you going to trade up if, if, you know, your guy could be there anyway? So I, I, I just don't know how, how close those deals got. Um, as for Allen, 
I, I think he was a perfect fit for the Lions. Um, no one expressly has told me that they would have taken him had he had he slid one more pick. Uh, but he plays a more premium position to Stoney's point. Obviously, an excellent player, huge sack numbers in the SEC. Um, I think he could be a game changer on that defense. And my belief is the Lions would have selected him. But just in the uh, the haze of running around Nashville last night and following T.J. Hawkinson around a little bit after his you know the announcement, I, I do not know uh, mm-hmm. whether or not uh, the Lions would have done that for sure. Dave Burkett on Jamie and Stoney on 97-1 the ticket in Detroit breaking down the TJ Hawkinson selection by those Lions. Uh, It feels good. I know that not always tight ends, offensive linemen, they're not the sexiest of picks, but uh, if I'm leaving the draft and my team got the guy they wanted uh, and it's a legit guy who seems to be a dynamic talent like Hawkinson does, you're in a good spot. They need help across the board. Don't forget who their head coach is, Matt Patricia. He knows what Rob Gronkowski did in New England. Hawkinson's not Gronk. That's an unfair comparison. Gronk is an old-timer, but Hawkinson can catch. He can run. He can block. He's a legit full tight end, and you put him in that offense with Matthew Stafford, and that should pay immediate dividends for the Lions. We put the draft aside to close things out. Real life has once again forced its way into our football conversation. As the draft was beginning last night in Nashville, a KC television station played an audio recording of Chiefs wide receiver Tyreek Hill and his fiance discussing um, his in particular, but really they're both to blame in all of this, uh, reprehensible treatment of their three-year-old son, who at last check has been taken out of the house uh, with a broken arm. But as you remember, no criminal charges filed against these two earlier this week by Casey prosecutors. Uh, But this is a serious story that the Chiefs and the NFL need to address immediately. Mully and Haw addressed it this morning on 670 The Score in Chicago. The Kansas City Chiefs announced that Tyreek Hill has been barred indefinitely from all team activities until more is known about an audio recording that aired on a local TV station in Kansas City in which the wide receiver's fiance accused him of abusing their three-year-old son. Mm -hmm. We are deeply disturbed by what we heard. This is uh, General Manager uh, Brett Veach. He said, uh, we are deeply concerned. And now, obviously, we have a great concern for Crystal uh, Espinal, who is the the girlfriend, uh, I guess, fiancé. We are greatly concerned for Tyreek, but our main focus, our main concern is with the young child. And uh, earlier yesterday, uh, KCTV in Kansas City aired part of an 11-minute audio file in which you hear Espinal telling Hill that when uh, asked about the injury to the child's arm, the boy replied, Daddy did it. And Hill has denied any role in what happened to the the, broke his son's – he denied doing it, and he said – but he says uh, Daddy does – a lot of things, and this exchange is, is it, it, really what we're going to hear in a second. It, but it comes to light a day after the county prosecutor, the Johnson County right. prosecutor, held a news conference announcing that the investigation was closed and there would be no, no charges charge. filed because they couldn't determine basically which of, which of the parents did the damage. But I think that the implication but they said there was, was a crime. That that's the thing. They imp, the implication was there was a crime. They couldn't decide. How it, how it occurred, so there would be no more for there, no more investigating and, into this incident. And, and the the uh, the fiance taped this as a means of covering for herself and 
and getting you know proof against it, but it's it's floated around, it's made the rounds. This TV station has it. They play it, and the Chiefs the Chiefs really should cut him. And instead, they suspend they him. Suspend him. I wouldn't be surprised if they do eventually cut him. And it also comes awkwardly. It came out after an hour or so. Roger Goodell was asked about this at the NFL draft, and he said, basically, you have to wait for more information to come to light. You have to wait for the facts. Very wishy-washy on this. Well, the NFL is still investigating, too, and I'm sure now that the audio is out, they'll they'll take things in a different direction. I wonder if they knew. But this is the Kansas City Chiefs. This is the team with Kareem Hunt. This is the team that just made a trade for Frank Clark. Go go read online what that story. The Chiefs disgust me. They have tolerated this. They you know okay the the cream hunt thing. They acted. They trade for a guy with Frank Clark's history. They have enabled Tyreek Hill, and now they do only they do this only because of the public airing of this audio. It's just sickening. And the Chiefs, who only got rid of Kareem Hunt when they absolutely had to, then traded for Frank Clark, who has a a domestic violence incident in his past. They did that just recently with Seattle. And they picked Tyreek Hill, knowing that he had punched this very same woman in her pregnant belly when they were together in college. Uh, And now Tyreek Hill has done this. He's been, as the guy said, uh, barred from offseason activities. By the time DA talks to you on Monday... Tyreek Hill needs to be off the Chiefs roster. And I don't know how you can do it. I know it's tough. I know it's not as simple as just doing it. Um, but the NFL needs to find a way if if this is all true. And I don't know how it's not at this point. Um, but Tyreek Hill should never play in the NFL again. There are just some things you don't deserve to come back from. You don't deserve a second chance. Uh, and this is on that very short list of things. Child abuse, a three-year-old boy with a broken arm living in fear of his dad who seems to be just fine with that while threatening the boy's mother. Um, that's enough of Tyreek Hill. It's also enough of the Chiefs. Um, they need to be held accountable for this as well. They knew that Tyreek Hill has issues at the say the least, when they drafted him. And now that he's, those issues have resurfaced in a different way, in an arguably debatable worse way or an equally terrible way, however you want to slice it, um, they should be held accountable for putting him on their roster in the first place when they knew something like this maybe could happen. That is the only way teams will stop um, putting these men on their rosters and ignoring the bad behavior that precedes that decision or comes after it if they have to actually have to pay a real price because of these choices, which she is very happily made, and we're happy to have Tyree killed there and on their team. And now this has happened, and it's an absolute shame across the board. Uh, with that, we send you off into the weekend. We hope you have a great one, and thank you as always for joining us here. My thanks as well to Andrew Kaplan for getting me through this week. DA is back from vacation on Monday. Until then, I'm Andrew Bogish. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.